0: Hey, listeners, before I get into this episode, I have a quick ask to make. I started this podcast as a research project on how to be a top individual contributor in the product design space. My goal for the show was to learn what it takes to be an individual contributor that's doing amazing, impactful work that they love doing day in and day out and getting paid top dollar while they do it. Becoming that type of individual contributor is the ultimate job security. With close to 100 hours of interview recordings, This has naturally led to the creation of the short form video articles that synthesize my learnings into 10 minute listens of actionable content. You might recognize these as my morning walk episodes or the hashtag shorts episodes. To my surprise, those episodes have been very well received and listeners have enjoyed the synthesis of what I've learned. This has led to the next chapter of my research project, which is beginning to synthesize what I've learned into a new newsletter called, Thinking Out Loud About Design, that you can subscribe to right now for free thinking Out Loud about design is an email newsletter and podcast that basically contains all my synthesis for my long form interviews it's pure distilled learnings that you can apply to your career immediately this content is for you if you are a couple years into your career and you're trying to make that move from mid-level to senior designer and senior designer to staff designer I mainly focus on becoming high performing individual contributors in the product design industry. A free subscription gives you full access to the newsletter, podcast episodes, and website. You will not have to worry about missing anything because every new edition of the newsletter goes directly into your inbox. So my ask is this, if you have gotten any value out of the way of product design or if it's helped you in any way or someone you know, please subscribe to Thinking Out Loud About Design and get the distilled learnings on being a staff level individual contributor. You can find a link to the newsletter in the show notes of every episode of this podcast and on my LinkedIn page. Just look up Caden Damiano. Thanks again for listening and supporting the way of product design. I wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't listening. Now, on to the show. So I was reading this book a couple years ago. It's called The Mystery of Capital by Ernesto De Soto. He's from Peru. He's kind of, he's this uh, self-taught researcher, economist, economist. macroeconomist. And uh, you know, the whole thesis of the book was about why um, are companies that have, like, abandoned communism or have become, like, recently become uh, capitalist, like, free markets, why are they still developing countries? Like, if they're they're adopting the way America does things, right? Like, why why are they not becoming like America? Like, why are they becoming a developed world country with wealth and a growing middle class? And... Um, really like the the whole thesis comes down to this like it's because of strong property law that there there is laws um, in, in a legal system to enforce those laws to protect someone's property so in America if you buy a house that becomes Um, an asset in a way on your balance sheet. It's something that you could, you know, it's a forced savings account that you can put money into and it goes in value depending on where the market is. It goes up in value. And you could use that house to pull out a second mortgage and fund a business. You can use that house to get a bigger house. Like it literally becomes this uh, kind of this, uh, you know, illiquid, growing asset and that's and that's like the most common way uh, the middle class in America has grown wealth over the, the uh, generations right so people buy a house the wealth that they grow leads to a bigger house um, that wealth is stored in the house um, and if things work out in the markets and you know the economy is good and you know the house appreciates you know they die their kids sell the house that money is with the kids. And then depending on how the kids treat that money, they can put it into other assets or they could waste it. But it just goes to show that you create generational uh, wealth through these like physical real estate assets and uh, and the businesses that they fund. And I think you could, if you like follow the paper trail, I think a lot of, um, you know, wealth in America could be tied to some kind of physical asset, you think about, um, you know, the Rockefellers, uh, they, a lot of their money was tied up in, you know, oil industry, oil fields, a physical asset, and then it grew into, you know, kind of this wealth fund that they have now that they used to uh, invest in startups. And actually, um, the Rockefeller Trust is, uh, I think, like a main funding source. For, uh, i think uh, blackrock investments so now that goes into software companies and stuff like that so um ernesto de soto uh realized that you know it, it, in africa or nigeria uh, or even peru like you might have a house and it might be on an ancestral ancestral plot of land but it doesn't matter because you can't prove to the government or you can't prove to a bank that you actually own it and therefore you cannot convert that into capital. If you can't convert that into capital, you cannot fund your business, a business that you want to use to improve your financial standing. And so that's just kind of like how capitalism works. It's held together by a legal system by government. And so, we need the legal system, right? The, the reason America is great is because we have a very well-enforced legal system, uh, you know, strong record keeping of like ownership, right? And the ability for us to own things that appreciate and value, right? So. Let's think about in product, you know, so one example that, so this is what what made me think about this episode, right? Because I always used to think that like the differentiator in a business is like how well designed the product is. Um, but then I was talking with uh, a new coworker at work um, about this story and, you know, maybe I might have him on the podcast to go in a little bit deeper on this, but we're talking about, you know, creating like... You know, you know vi- how video games are becoming more tactile. I think immersive experiences. Like you have a lot more control over the variables of the game. You know, example, like, uh, and this is getting this is kind of showing my dorkiness, but I like to argue that it's part of the pop culture now. So I think it's not nerdy anymore to, you know, quote uh, Parks and Rec. You know, liking Star Wars is like popular now, so you can't you can't consider it a nerd. Well. You know the Assassin's Creed games. Like the first couple were very controlled, curated experiences. You just had to press a few buttons, and you're instantly like this—you know—really uh, proficient. You know, cool assassin. Like it was—it was like this very like voyeuristic, escapist game where, like, all the kind of cool stuff that you could do, uh, was very it was controlled by the game mechanics. Like, you didn't really like it wasn't you doing these cool things, right? And now, and if you are new to my morning walk episodes, is me walking around my neighborhood. And so those are sprinklers in the background right there. So let me just walk a little bit. Um, but, you know, now, like I, the other day, I tried out Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And, and before that, I tried out, the, the you know, The Witcher 3, because, you know, I heard good things about the games. And, you know, honestly, Screw hustle culture. You know, sometimes you need to let your brain rest and think in different ways and be active in different ways. So I do it through play. Um, and lately, it's through video games because it's the cheaper hobby than skiing at this point in my career. Um, but Assassin's Creed, honestly, I like quit. I quit the games because they were too immersive. I'm like, dude, I got to be like a single bachelor to put time into this like you had control of so much stuff like you know the, the combat mechanics like it was actually like a skill set to be good at fighting in those games like well the game wasn't doing it for you like you had to learn the mechanics and get good at them and that's amazing right so I'm talking to my coworker, and he talked about he, was, he came from the game industry and he talked about a story where he actually worked on a snowboarding game where it had like so many controllable variables. Like there was like a like a dynamic weather system. So, like the mountain, the experience. You know, s- snowboarding down a mountain would be different depending on if like there was a snowstorm, and you know, and like how you turn, like adjusted the controls. Um. You know that how that. Uh. You know was able to influence like how you moved, or if you went to like a cool like slow motion. You know uh, trick mode you know and they released that game so it exists it, it existed um, but at the same time uh, uh, you know another well-known video game company uh, released uh, that Sean White snowboarding game which wasn't as technically uh, you know flawless it was a little bit more basic But, uh, you know, they had more money to market it and, you know, there was a lot more brand equity. And even though their game got better critical acclaim and, you know, obviously was the better game, it lost in the market, right? So think about, you know, James Dyson. I talk about him a lot on the podcast. I'm like, well, you know, James Dyson is a great example of very meticulous uh, product design and you know and he's a good example of winning as a product designer but there's a caveat that he ha- he controls the patents for dual cyclone technology so and you know if you read his autobiography he spends a lot of his career in litigation for copycats so people trying to copy his vacuum technology, he will sue them, and so, therefore, (laughs) he has a really awesome product, and I think, you know, I but, you know, at the same time, there's this harsh reality in capitalism that, you know, uh, that, you know, everything could be copied, everything could be reverse-engineered, and therefore... If you have some kind of intellectual property, you need to protect it through a patent or a trademark. And you need to spend legal fees and register yourself with the legal system in order to protect your intellectual property, right? So that's another thing that you can own and something that appreciates in value because you could sell a patent. For example, like Apple, they are, who they are, because they own intellectual property and patents. Um, that's really like the main value, you know. It, it makes me think of Westworld. If you ever seen, seen that show, like they was talk about how in the you know the Westworld parks, you know that the the greatest asset in Westworld is not is not the parks or the androids in the park. It's the intellectual property. So, intellectual property. Is just as much of a durable good um, as real estate. You know, being to being able to invest in intellectual property. And the reason uh, James Dyson is so successful is, you know, one, yes, he's an amazing product designer. He has exceptional vision and exceptional grit, and he made a product that outperformed anything in the market. And that and made it and then he you know he registered those amazing works in the legal system he invented something new patented it now he owns the patents you know that's a valuable asset because it's maintained by a very strong legal system Uh, you know since then you know I think people have come up with different ways to get around his patents which you know pushes further innovation right but, you just gotta think about it. Like, Dyson did not become successful through products alone. He, he, got, he was successful because of a first world developed nation legal system. And so, what does that mean for you as a product designer or a product manager? Uh, you know, part of succeeding in business is making sure you convert this value you create into an actual asset, um, create ownership around this thing you made. So if you're creating commodity software that could be easily replicated, you, you can't really, and you can't, something that you can't really, uh, you know, patent, then, you know, you're always gonna be kind of in that war of competing. And I think that's why a lot of startups eventually just get acquired by big conglomerates right you know it's like that's like an exit strategy for startup founders is that they don't they're not there to become the next google they're they're there to create this asset that they do not have the resources to defend and then they just get bought out by google and they get a nice payout you know if they're lucky right uh but um you know like that's something you need to consider is like is the problem you're solving just a commodity? Are you just working on a startup to eventually be acquired? There's nothing wrong with that, but you know you need to realize that there's some things. Uh, you know, there 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 is you know parts of the system that reward novelty, and I think you know figuring things out before someone else, and then kind of using the legal system to kind of protect that IP, right? And so, moral of the story respect your lawyers because um, you know, they kind of make the world go round and you know, honestly, like these rules and regulations in a lot of ways they protect capitalism they protect they protect fair competition and you know, sometimes you know, copying someone isn't (laughs) fair, right? I mean and and, um, yeah, like it's And, you know, this ability to have like a nice cush middle-class lifestyle, or, if you you know, listener who's a little bit more well-off than that, it's because of the legal system. It is not because of strictly innovation, even though innovation creates the IP that the legal system can even protect. You know, there's like this uh, symbiosis, uh, like this symbiotic relationship. between great lawyers and great product people, product designers, uh, product managers, engineers. And that um, is kind of like my morning walk. And you know what? I think that is a gold nugget. So let me know what you think um, and have a good day.